whole lot of talk. The interviews that rock. Brought to you by Rock Antenna, Germany's number one rock radio station. So, hi. Thank you so much for taking your time for Rock Antenna. Oh, so, anytime, where do I catch you right now, actually? So, is it your room or... Oh, this is a room in my house. I'm in Seattle right now, so I'm in my my. This is like my my little setup room that I have. Uh, you know, I'm, no, I'm kidding. I kicked out of my house. I'm in the studio apartment now. <laughs> I'm broke. This is my life now. I'm joking. No, I'm in a <laughs> I'm in a uh, a little room in my house where I got my studio set up so I can I can do things like this. You know, so yeah. Okay, great. So, um, in in Seattle, like, what's the best part about uh, spring in Seattle? Nothing. We talk about it rains all the time. Okay. Well, so nothing no. like well the sun. The, the, the sun comes up. Seattle, the best part about Seattle is uh, is it heats up. That's the best part. Honestly, it's been cold all winter long, and it's been freezing. And it's starting to get warmer, and we can actually go outside and do stuff. Um, that's the best part about Seattle. Uh, but yeah, other than that though, no. It's, it rain, I mean, it, it rains until about May June. You know. So okay, we're getting there. Yeah. So it rains a lot in Seattle. So I've never been there. Pretty so. Good. It rains frequently here. It's uh, it um reminds you kind of of like uh, North England, you know what I mean, where it's like a lot of rain and dreary and kind of cold. It's probably not as cold as North England, but it's definitely similar. It'll rain for about eight months here, uh, from about September through now. <laughs> okay, well, rain it's rain. coming to an end, so this is nice. Yes, God, thank you. Yes. <laughs> So you're celebrating kind of right now when it gets warmer. And last year you celebrated like the end of COVID, let's call it that, um, sure. by not only touring solo, but you're, you were also supporting Shinedown and yeah. the Rolling Stones. And yeah. you have supported Guns N' Roses back in 2017. What does playing on those like the biggest stages on earth feel like? It was. It's an interesting question. I was. I was literally just uh, talking to uh, the guitar player from Crowbot about this, and because uh, we had just played a uh, we played a show over the weekend together, and it's just, it's a lot, man. You know, you, yeah. Um, it's it's just a weird experience because at, at this point in my career, I'll go and like the Rolling Stone shows, sixty thousand people out there. You know, that's a sea of people at a big festival ground all the way back. That's a, an incredible experience. You know, uh, and then you'll go play a club in front of like. 300 people and so it's like a, the dichotomy that the contrast is so big you know um but it's an honor i mean it's just a pleasure and, and it just it's also very validating like you realize that, that you have been putting in the work to get to these points and and they're popping up every now and again and now now the key is to to twist it to where you're not the opener anymore that becomes your show you know so like making those steps and you know you're making making the right moves But um, <clears throat> now when you when you get in those like smaller, smaller locations where you play solo, is that like um, sometimes like, yeah, the bummer. So you played in front of like 60,000 people and now not that many. Or is it like you you prefer it because the people that are there are there because of you? Well, it's it's a little different, you know. When we when I get there, you know, playing with my band and doing doing like the headlining shows, like those are those are just different. I mean, that, that's a that's just a different feeling um, altogether, especially because being a foreign act over over in, in Europe and in the UK and in France and all that, like that, and having people show up at your show, never knowing that you've never seen these people, you don't know anyone there. That is a whole other experience, you know, and that's a that's an honor. That 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 right there is su such a um, it's a feeling I really can't I can't explain. The French would say "je ne sais pas," you know, like they don't. You don't really know. Like it's it's a hard to explain, but it's that's um that is just an honor. It's a pleasure to to be able to do something like that. It's very always emotionally moving. 
I find myself sometimes mid-song trying not to cry in front of 200 people at some random show in Amsterdam, you know, because you're so just proud and elated that people are just um, able to hear you and listen and have have interest in what you're doing from across the seas, you know, and that, that's that's the goal. That's the life goal is to make sure that, you know, you get out there, not just in America. I mean, for the longest time, I thought to myself, I'm going to be big in America, but you you forget like how big the world is and that maybe someday you're going to be bigger even even in other places, you know, so that's a whole different feeling, yeah. So what's the craziest thing that ever happened to you while you were on tour? I can't tell you because it's more oh, I'm saying. Okay, so. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding, man. No, the craziest thing that's ever happened to me on tour. Um though the I'll tell you what, I, I don't know if it's the craziest experience, but it is it is probably the um the 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 first time I went to France was probably the most emotional experience I had because when was that? That was the end of twenty twenty one. Uh, was when we went to France and my first record to come out. We'd just been touring for three months in the U.S. and we, were, we had a. In fact, it was the first time we were supposed to come to Germany. Actually, we we had had some stuff planned, but the pandemic changed. But you were that. here uh, last year, right? I was. I yeah. was there last year for sure. Uh, but we had. But I was after moving the dates. Right, we had to move everything because of yeah. COVID. Uh, so, but we had we had gone out to to Paris. We had one show booked in Paris and one show in, in the U.K. and. You know, while I was in Paris, I mean, the show was pretty much almost packed out. And we played this, this place called The New Morning, the very first show. And I'll, I'll never forget it, man, how emotional that was for us, for me as an artist. Um, that was probably the craziest experience I ever had, to be honest with you. Because okay. it was my first time overseas, my first time in, in Paris, which was beautiful and amazing experience. I was there for a week doing promo for the show. And here I am in front of all these media outlets in front of me. And I had all these, these crazy, huge interviews from Le Parisian, which is like people magazine for us, you know, and like that was a crazy experience for me, I think. And that kind of set the precedent for everything else, you know, um, and it was emotional. And like, and then I, I, I remember this too. I remember like crying on stage and reading about it in national papers. And I was like, never again, never going to cry again on stage. <laughs> But it was just the most heartwarming and touching experience I think I'd ever had. You know? But did you cry again? No, since I then? didn't cry again since no. that moment. Not on stage, at least. <laughs> I mean, I've definitely cried. <laughs> well, it's like, it's... <laughs> everybody does. So, but before stage. before you got to this, like, traveling the world and everything, yeah. you had a very long way leading up to your career. And yeah. I love that you're wearing this T-shirt because, you know, you grew up in the 90s in Seattle when, yeah. you know, Nirvana. And you mentioned multiple times that Kurt Cobain was a source of inspiration for you and sure. probably still is. And yeah. I did the math. And you were like about eight years old when he died. Yeah, Do you remember what it yeah. felt like when you heard about his death? I do. I, I don't, I don't, it wasn't, it didn't impact me directly, but there was this, uh, I mean, similar to when, when Chris Cornell died, man, it was just like this depression that came over the city, you know, and we all felt it because that was our, that was, that was our champion and that was our hero, you know? And so I do, I do remember how that felt. Um, and as a kid, you know, you don't really know what's going on. Like you can, you can tell, like, you just know that everybody's just kind of hit, it hits everyone. It doesn't matter who you were either. I mean, whether you listen to grunge or not, you know, everyone knew who Kurt Cobain was at that time. He was one of the biggest pop figures in the world. Um, and he came from your little town, you know, this little town in the Pacific Northwest, you know? And so like that, I think that impacted us. It hit us more than, than we even recognized at that time. And, And since then, you know, cats like Lane Staley and and and, uh, and the passing of Chris Cornell, and these are these are legendary artists. And, and every time one of you know these legends from that era passes, or something happens to them, we all feel it, and we feel it deeply. So it's like a connection in Seattle, like you all know your heroes, and so you share this sad 
yeah those yeah, sad we all, emotions we all share that feeling that sad emotion that we 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 you know that hits us i mean it's like seattle we don't we don't really have superstars in seattle right like everyone even if you are a superstar here it's like you're not you're not we're not going to walk down the street and people aren't going to sit there and there's not going to be paparazzi all around and all that stuff you know yeah i guess for like a, a city in the u.s there are not as many like for, yeah. here in germany it's like yeah well where are superstars anyway so right but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, see, we, so we don't really do superstars like that. I mean, this, unless you go, to, you go to L.A. and people are like, oh, it's, it's, it's you know, Duff McKagan. It's, you know, that, that's L.A. Seattle's very casual. Seattle's like, maybe I'll come up and talk to him. Maybe I won't. I don't know. That's cool. He's here, though. You know, and like cats can go to dive. But it's legendary stories of like some like Eddie Vedder, for instance, will go to a dive bar and chalk up a conversation the whole time. And the bartender will know it, but no one else will. And so this person's like, man, who was that guy? He was really cool. No, that was Eddie Vedder. God, you know <laughs> so it's a it's a very casual place like you know so that i think that's part of why we feel so connected to each other is because that that well, there's no there's no hierarchy there's no like you're better than me or, or that you live in the clouds it's like everybody pretty much is on level here in seattle yeah that's nice so um but you know you're wearing the t-shirt and everything um but it would be too easy to to say that you're like following nirvana's footsteps in seattle right. because your music is much more diverse and you can't yeah. really pinpoint it like to one genre so when you're in the stage of songwriting do you like beforehand envision the feeling of the song before writing the lyrics or is it more like oh that text sounds deep maybe some grunge with some blues um let's go yeah. for that or what's that like i think that it's a little of all of, all of it to be honest you know for me i i try to get into the songs and i just i just try to um you know express what's in my heart to express and i love so many different kinds of music and sounds and hip-hop to grunge to gospel to all these things i'm i'm just trying to capture a vibe and i want i want to express that vibe and i want to my goal is always to try to bring people into rock or into my genre, whatever that may be. And um, from all over, you know, from, from different perspectives and maybe you don't listen to rock, maybe you're more of a country person, but here's a song for you, you know, in, in, in my genre, maybe you're more into to hip hop or EDM. Well, here's a song for you in my genre, you know? So I always want to definitely pay homage and respect to where I came from in Seattle. And definitely I'm always trying to, you know, make sure I keep that Seattle sensibility in my music, but I, I want to continue to express and bring people into this, into my music that don't necessarily listen to rock or don't, aren't necessarily into what I do, you know? Yeah. Because nowadays, like everybody, you know, not everybody listens to rock all the time. Not everybody listens to pop all the time. It's very much more fluent than it was when you had to go and buy something to listen to it. Now right. you just hear whatever you want. Um, so that, it totally makes sense. Um, and yeah. I think it works very well for you. So um, Thank you. your upcoming album, Chronicles of the Kid, will be released uh, this June, June 23rd. Yeah, t June yeah. 23rd. Um, and everything you gave to us beforehand uh, reminds of anything related to school, which makes sense with the title. But what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think back to school? School? Oh, man. I just, my ADD just taking over is what I remember, man. That's all I know. It was like my ADD was just like, school's cool. And like, I, I was actually really brilliant in school. I was really great. You know, I was really smart. And, but my, my ADD just was like, go play a guitar. And so that's all I did was play guitar in school, man. So that's what I think about. And Chronicles of the Kid, you know, is really about, that kid that grew up you know what i mean and, and it's about um 
you know, going from from those stories of, of being a kid and and you know, I was I mean, Child of the State was really my origin story, and Chronicles Chronicles of the Kid is the next chapter of that. Like that's who I was and who I who I would become, and this is who I am now. Chronicles of the Kid is about like, you know, we, we it picks up from when I got signed, signed that first my first my big my first big record deal to now, you know, and and what's been going on, what's been happening, what I've seen, you know, the world as I've seen it in my experiences, you know, the fame the 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 um the temptations the high highs and the low lows and that's what it's about and so you know when i think about chronicles of the kid and even myself being in school man that's i mean i I can see it now you know like back then you don't really see it you're just like oh i'm just gonna do my thing and hope it all turns out but if i were to look back at time i'd be like yeah kid you you were meant to play music because here you are this kind of tormented soul who is expressing himself in poetry and, and song like what better what better fitting you know career choice than to be an artist you know to express yourself through music and words but you weren't like always an artist like you had your frisbee career and i i have to be honest (laughs) when i read about that i was like frisbee is a sport because i didn't know that because in germany frisbee is like something you throw your for your dog or for your children and uh, then i was looking it up and it looks kind of like a mixture of rugby but with a disc so. yeah we would say football here yeah we'd say american uh, yeah football with a okay disc. yeah yeah it was same, similar concept though. i mean actually probably even close to rugby rugby is a lot more passing um yeah i, I mean it, i played ultimate frisbee for years uh played for team usa and world championships against uh countries like germany and, and uh, france and england and things like that you know so yeah I, i played ultimate for years man um and it was it was a vibe it was it was cool it was fun it was something that that Uh, really got that that when I talk about this exposure to the world, wanting to travel and things like that, that was the first thing that got me out of my little hometown was was playing frisbee. I got to go travel all over the, the country and the West Coast, the East Coast. I got to go see, you know, uh, Finland and I got to go see Canada and I, I went all over, you know, and so that, that really gave me this this bug to travel, you know, and um, and it was I was really competitive and athletic at the time, too, you know, which really it scratched all the itches, you know? Um, but even through that time I was playing guitar, I remember going to parties, you know, fr- they call them frisbee parties, which is like the after party after a tournament and being live bands there, they would have me jump up and, and jam and play. And I was still writing music and trying to be something, you know? So, yeah. But except traveling the world, um, what did you learn as a professional sportsman that helped you establish your career in music? Oh, what did I learn, man? Um, how to be a leader was the the big thing, you know, and how to, how to, take what I do and be able to translate that, articulate it to, to people, you know, and the, but being a leader was, was the biggest thing I learned how to do because over time, and I was, I was at one time, I was one of the best in the world. And, uh, you know, so I, I got asked to captain a team or two or become, you know, lead something, some, some, whether it be on defense or offense or whatever, be a leader and, and be able to, to communicate with people. And I mean, that, that taught me a sense of entrepreneurship, you know, and, and be able to, how to lead my own company, to lead my own band, to lead my, you know, my life in, in a certain way and to get good at that kind of stuff. You know, that, that was really helpful. And that taught me how to be who I am today. I think those are skills I need, I, I use now even to continue my career as an artist. You won the world championship, so you you were yeah. really successful. Yeah, yeah, I was really good. <laughs> I was really good at one point. Really good. That's really cool. So, but we're not sports antenna; we're rock antenna. So we <laughs> gotta get back to to the album, which is uh, yeah. great. What I've heard so far, and um, one song from Chronicles of the Kid that really stood out to me was "Blood in the Water" because, yeah, you. like, you you hear it, and there's this ex- extraordinary mix of hurt but there's also this power in it. So yeah. tell me, what does this song mean to you? 
the the power of hurt. That's I mean, that's really what you just you just quantified it right there. It's the power of hurt. You know, sometimes that in life we're not always dealt the cards that we want to be dealt. You know, we're not always dealt the greatest hands to play the game. But you know, it's it's up to you. There's a great power in in taking that pain or taking the cards you've been dealt and and learning how to take that and 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 you know they call it um alchemy you know it's like the spiritual term is alchemy taking it and learning how to make it into something brand new you know and so i think that's what blood in the water is for me and in in that like you know i am the product of my parents i am i'm the creation of my parents and um they in turn pass along the things that, that they had to struggle with their whole lives and and while those things they they are very deep in my heart and on my mind I choose not to let those be my story. Instead, I choose to take those and, and flip it and tell a new story and become something different for my kids and pass along a, a different story for them to tell in my family. Even, you know, I can't tell you how many kids in my family now start picking up guitars or, you know, or, or learn, start learning how to write or sing or involved in music now and just seeing that, you know, someone like their uncle or their dad or, or who it may be uh, do what they do. I think it, it, it changed the game. It changed everything for them. And there's a great power in that, you know. Okay. So there's like, some some scientific background to it as well because there are like scientists who say that there's something like generational trauma as well so yeah. there are parts of history that are in our dna's and we give that to our children and so of course we all have to learn how to how to express this and so i think that's a song that will you know a lot of people will hear that song and they will feel it in their very own way and that's a beautiful thing yeah That's so. my. That's always my goal, you know, is to connect with people on that level. Um, I just came from the South and in, in the U U.S., you know, and uh, I, in you know, I don't travel to the South super often, but when I do, I'm always reminded of of how you know a lot of people in the South definitely have been through what I've been through as in terms of poverty and learning how to, how to like get out of that or like the pain that comes with poverty. You know, there's a lot of things that come in in. Um, those upbringings that are very similar. And so my it's my goal always to touch people's hearts and to remind people that we're only human, you know, we're only human. And But with that comes this great power um, to create. And so let's create something beautiful together. Let's create something new. So there was one song when I uh, when I looked it up in, on on YouTube, there were a lot of comments that were like, "This is how a rock song is supposed is supposed <laughs> to sound like. This is how it's supposed yeah. to be written. Um, it's it's filthy." And mm -hmm. um, I s saw a clip of you explaining that word, like filthy. Yeah. Um, and you said it's a, an epiphany of who you are as an artist. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I'm not a native speaker in English and a lot of our listeners aren't as well. So right. could you maybe give an explanation why filthy in this sense is nothing negative? Yeah, filthy, filthy is not. It, here's the thing, man. In Seattle, you know, when growing up and when I grew up, like even now, like kids, They'll say it, man. If you're from like the urban part of Seattle, say you're from like near downtown or like the core of Seattle, you know, it's like we have our own lingo, you know. And so for us, I mean, on the, on the East Coast, they have a term called wicked, which is the kind of similar <laughs> thing. Wicked awesome, wicked cool, wicked this, wicked that. And for in Seattle, it's filthy. Filthy means um, something that, that it's uh, it's almost like like Cockney rhyming slang. You ever heard of Cockney rhyming slang where they, they say like they'll say words Like, give me the bees. It's, it's like, give me the peas. Okay, yeah, right? okay. I, yeah, I yeah, think me, I get the, it. The bees and honey means give me the money. Give me the bees. Give me the peas. Give me the honey, you know? Uh, so in Seattle, it's like saying filthy is is like saying cool or dope or fresh, you know? It's like we, we would say, uh, that's filthy or you're filthy. Like, that means you're the, you're the best of the best, the prime. You are the best example of that there is of what you do, you know? So that's kind of the term. But also for me, the song was really about, man, you know, I, I've been to places like Hamburg, Germany, man. I've seen, I've seen like some of the red light district stuff and I've seen like 
how Germany embraces this whole other culture of itself, you know, um, with the, and without without judgment too. That's the thing about it. It's like this is what I find really cool about Germany and other and also other cities in Europe. Fr France has this. Amsterdam has this too. But you know, it's like they, there's an embrace of like this um, sexual expression. There's an embrace of this this human nature, this whole other side of human nature, which maybe isn't the halos over our heads and like the the good. Like we're gonna try to do the best we can. Being the it's like. It's more about filthy's more about embracing that side of of, of our, our our expression, like the sexual expression, the the nature of uh of being uh, but what's bad is good, you know, being a misfit. Maybe you don't fit in, maybe you're you're into something different, you know. So that song is really written for those people, man. Like that 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 song hit really hard over here in, in the strip clubs, you know, because I think that those the people that really gravitate toward a song like that are people that feel like misfits. Like that what they do is uh, you know, in a sense, taboo. It's not like the the norm. It doesn't fit with the status quo, you know. So I wrote that song for the misfits like me. So I think everybody is a misfit in some way because um yeah. like what society wants from us is like everything and nobody can can uh, compete with that. Um so there's no way. What's your favorite song off the upcoming album? Man, my favorite song off the upcoming album. That's a good question. I um I you know what? I think Living for the Fall is one of my favorite songs off the record. Uh just because that that's just such a, a vulnerable song, you know. But I think if I had to choose my favorite song, it might be Other Side. Other Side might be my favorite song from this record, I think, you know, and, and for reasons I think that most people would be surprised about and that I'm always trying to cross genres and cross platforms and cross generations. And there's this whole new generation of rockers that are, are really fans of, of classic rock, but are expressing it in a new way. And so they're going to different places to find their rock. And so for me, I think Other Side was a way to reach out to those places and still be true to where I came from. So I, I think that's why that's my favorite song. Great. Thank you. So um, I wish you all the best for the release and everything that follows it. And I'm looking forward to seeing you uh, in, in Germany the next yeah, time. Absolutely. What are your plans for this year after releasing? Uh, just tour, you know, tour, tour, tour. You know, my, my album comes out in June. And then I just, I just take off and go see the world after that. You know, I'm going to be in Europe. Um, I've got some stuff planned for the U.S. between August and September. October, I'm back in Europe. November, I'm probably in Europe, too. So, you know, we got we got a lot of stuff going on. And I'm just going to keep touring and keep working and hopefully coming to see smiles like yours all over the world. You know. Okay, so maybe maybe a little vacation in between. Or no, there's no time for vacation. There's no time for vacation. There's no yeah, but, way. There's but no isn't way. that like, isn't that so annoying when you go to all these amazing places and then there's, you, you know, no time to see it. No time to see it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's okay. It's all right because you know that that it's like this, man. It's like uh, it's like when you you go on a date and everything goes well and somebody leave they leave their stuff at your house. You know, it's just an excuse to see them again. You know what I mean? So. You know, I find it as if, if I don't get to see your town when I'm there, just an excuse for me to come back and do it the next time, you know. So I, I think that it keeps me coming back. Yeah, well, that's a positive take on that. So thank you so yeah. much for chatting with me. Thank you so much for your time. Um, yeah. yeah, bye. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Whole lot of talk. The interviews that rock. Subscribe to our channel for more rocking podcasts.